Hey witch, welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm the other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. No, because we don't treat you like that. We don't treat you like a fool. No. We treat you like a brother and a sister and a mother and a friend. And a spiritual teacher and an incarnation of a divine being coming from a cosmic realm 100,000 light years away. So all that means, we treat you with respect, with truth, and with love. The same way we treat Noche. That's true. Noche's our little pup. He is also a cosmic being from 100,000 light years away. Is he, though? Yeah, sometimes. That's true. Well, so are you, babe. So are you. (laughs) Aren't we all? Aren't we all? (laughs) Uh, So yes, we are the spiritual gaze. We're husbands. Yes. And uh, who exactly are you? Give me Uh, more. uh, I'm Brandon Alter. I'm an avid Britney Spears fan. Oh, are you? Give me, give me more. Yeah. What's your favorite album? Uh, Blackout. Okay. I think Blackout is my favorite album. That's fair. I, to be honest, I actually just listened to that all the way through again it, recently. It holds up. It does, but there are two tracks I could do without. Go on. Uh, get naked. Yeah. I could do without. You know what it is? I could do without the tracks that open with men talking. <laughs> and there are two on there that do. Well, and I'm like, you know what? I didn't come here for you, whoever you are, producer friend. I came for Britney. Yeah. Well, she was in a blackout. Fair. Any event, I'm Brandon Alter. <laughs> I am a spiritual healer. I am a tarot reader and teacher. And I am also a writer and a performer. And who are you, Boo? Uh, I'm Angel Lopez. I'm a, I'm a fair weather Britney fan. Wow. <laughs> That's devastating. No, I mean, I... You know, I I wouldn't say that I have loved her since the beginning, but I have loved her up until the until I was going to say the end, but it's not the end. No, it's still going. She'll be back. Yeah, she's not gone I'm anywhere. Sure of it. Um, but I am Angel Lopez. I am an astrologer. I'm a film producer, and I am also a writer and well, your husband. Yes, all those things. All those things and more that I couldn't even boil down for you into words. Well, labels are so insufficient. They can be, man. Uh, I am an Aries, which I definitely highly identify with. And you're a Taurus rising, which I highly identify with. How dare you? Because you stubborn as fuck. That's fair. That's a fair assessment of me. But I'm also gorgeous. You are gorgeous. <laughs> and you have a taste for luxury. You know what I do? Yeah. But I'm also very loyal. Sometimes to a fault. Yeah. Why did it take you a minute to think about that one? <laughs> uh, because I was wondering how being loyal had anything to do with being a taste for luxury. Oh, I was just thinking of Taurus. I understand. <laughs> I was like, your loyalty doesn't make up or counterbalance your taste for luxury. No, but I am loyal to it. Especially to luxury brands. Oh. I'm not a big, I'm not too, uh, you know what, you're right. Yeah, you buy the expensive candles. I do, and the expensive sunglasses. And the expensive soap. <sighs> you know what? I like things that look and smell pretty, what can I say? <laughs> you like a label. Yeah, but I don't like a label to show. No, that's true. I like the things that labels make. Most of the time. That's true. Sometimes it's shit. Yeah, sometimes it's hideous. But I know the difference, because I have taste. Th- that tourist taste, that's very true. <laughs> Uh, should we check in? How are you? Yeah, I think we should just do a little check-in sitch. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good today. Uh, we're recording this on a Friday that I have off from work, so I've been able to just kind of have a day of being in the world, which has been very nice. And I recently spent a weekend on a retreat with the Center for Shamanic Studies. That was last weekend. And it was definitely really interesting and really fun. And certainly enlightening, I would say. I felt like I definitely connected to my spirit self in a stronger way. And it was nice to plug back into that world. I mean, obviously, I've had experience with it through obviously living and (laughs) breathing with you. 
because you would live such a shamanistic life, so to speak. Um, but it was nice to really like, you know, put myself into it, to be doing divination work with strangers and doing journeys for power animals and all of that stuff was really, really fun and interesting. And yeah, it definitely gave me a lot of uh, new tools to take forward, which I really dug. What was your biggest takeaway? Honestly, I think my biggest takeaway and this, I don't want this to come across egotistical, so I hope it doesn't. But, you know, again, mind you, I'm an Aries. Mm-hmm. With but, the Taurus rising. Yeah, but some of my takeaway was that I really am someone who has been on a spiritual path. And I guess just how far along I am in that process. Uh, you know, there were a lot of people there who were really just beginning to ask those questions, who were really there looking for healing And I felt like I was there to help better myself as a healer first, and then how to integrate those lessons into my own personal healing. So I thought that was really interesting to sort of be one of those people there who others were coming up to and saying, wow, I feel like you have so much to offer. And it was so nice to hear what you had to say. And I took what you said and applied it to my journey. And it was so helpful. So thank you for sharing that. You know, so there were, I felt like a bit of a, like a healer, like a teacher, you know, on some micro level, because the teacher herself, this woman, Amanda is next level and was so amazing. And Uh, I was so grateful to get to learn from her and experience just her energy. And uh, it taught me a lot. But I think that that was a big takeaway for me to, I think I can sometimes get stuck in the muck of myself and my journey. And I don't think I give myself enough credit for how far I've come. And even in my therapy session this past week, Uh, we really wrapped it up by celebrating how much work I've been doing and how far along I've come in dealing with insecurities and confidence issues. And it felt good to pat myself on the back and celebrate myself because that's something that I don't think any of us do enough of. And I would just urge everyone to consider what accomplishments that you've had recently and to find little ways to celebrate them for yourself. It's important. Yeah. I just had a client today that I was talking to about receiving your own progress. Oh, perfect. Like we feel as though until we get that thing, until we cross the finish line, whatever that is, we don't deserve to celebrate how far we've come. Mm -mm. But it's like every step forwards needs to be celebrated. Yeah. And what do you think that is? I mean, I just thinking about it, I feel like that's something that we, well, I don't want to say inherit because I don't know if we all inherit that from certain, from one person or if we've all had that shared experience. But I wonder if it comes from this place of, I'm afraid to celebrate it yet because I haven't gotten to the next thing. Or I'm afraid if I celebrate it, then that's the end of the road. You know, I've jinx it or something. Yeah, I think that's true. I also think it's just the nature of the obsessive mind, which is that it's never satisfied. Yeah. So I think we all just have to consider that you can have a celebration and keep on going toward another one and another one and another one. Like accomplishments don't have to be, be you know, finite. Just celebrate getting out of bed and putting your lipstick on, honey. Yes, you're a queen. Or a king. Whichever you identify with. Or just royalty. Just royalty. You're royalty. You are a royal bad (laughs) bee. And we love you. How are you, babes, my royal bad bee? I'm well. I'm doing well. Yeah? Yeah. I got to go out to the desert this past week for two nights, which was amazing. The desert is my happy place. It's my sanctuary. And I woke up for the sunrise and the sunsets. But I really just wanted to unplug and plug back into myself and get out of the city. And I guess the thing I really came to realize, which I always realize when I head out to the desert, is just how tight and compacted and hardened a city living makes me. And just how I exist in a state of subterranean stress at 
all times. I got to go and visit this alpaca sanctuary and this really nice rancher, Mike, who owns the the farm, was telling me that if alpacas experience too much stress, they literally die. Like stress literally kills alpacas. That's heartbreaking. He was like, yeah, you know, they use alpacas sometimes like in hospitals as like therapy animals. But sometimes if there's like too many people around or if there's like an ambulance siren or they're stuck in traffic, like the stress of that literally kills them. Oh, my gosh. And I felt like he was talking straight to my heart. (laughs) Like, dude, what are you doing? So I am... Not doing a very good job of it since returning from the desert, but at least I'm aware (laughs) of it, which is the fact that most of the stress that I endure is self-manifested stress because I've given myself an arbitrary deadline or I'm trying to achieve this thing that I've created for myself. And it's like, what are you doing? And today, when you very sweetly and jokingly said, oh, I married my mother, the Aquarius, because I was running around just like doing 100 things and never like sitting still like your mom does and that I always give her shit for. And I was like, oh, my goddess, I am like, I (laughs) don't sit still. I really don't. I only used to sit still when I was high. And now I don't get high. So I'm just running around all the time trying to achieve and feed my ambition and be busy. And it's exhausting and it's going to kill me. No. So I'm not going to let that happen. And I am going to beat this stress problem. Yeah. I believe in you. So that's what's going on. Well, if you need any help relaxing... Let the Taurus Rising teach you. Yeah, you can give me like a shoulder rub. Sure. In exchange for... Um, yep, here's the Taurus. I know my value. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a chocolate. Uh, so speaking I... of Taurus and astrology, should mm. we just dive into what's happening in the heavens? Yeah, we're going to give you a little cosmic update this week. So put on your spacesuits and get ready to blast off in this episode's Cosmic Cosmic Update. All right, everybody. So where we're at is, well, basically, we are all just knee-deep in Virgo season. We have the sun. We have currently, as we're recording this today, the moon. We just had our new moon in Virgo. Uh... But we also then have Mercury, we have Venus, and we have Mars all transiting through Virgo. Uh, So what is Virgo season? I mean, as we know, the sort of generalities of Virgo are, you know, it's an earth sign. They're very practical. It's hard work driven, detail oriented, uh, can be the worriers of the zodiac. Uh, But when you have the sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, all through there, it really does mean that this is a time for hard work. This is a time to get some things done um, and to really start to pay attention to all of the details. And really the word that I want to be using for this season is organization. So yeah, so where are you disorganized? You know, Are you disorganized in your home life, in your relationship life, in your work life, in your... Uh, relationship with your health and well-being. This is all just an opportunity right now to really look at the details of what you've surrounded yourself with in those certain areas and honestly look through them and say, what's still necessary here? What do I need? We've all been on this big, you know, we've talked about in the past, the big Saturn-Pluto conjunction right now. They're apart from each other, but Saturn's about to turn direct this month in September. So they're all going to start that push back together, uh, you know, which is going to occur directly in January. And all of that has been around, you know, tearing down old structures of our lives and building up new ones. So this is, Virgo is a really good season for us all to pay attention to what is potentially clogging our, you know, like psychological, mental, spiritual pores, you know, like what do we need to just extract from our lives to just get a little more clarity? Oh, a cosmic facial. Oh, that sounds nice. That sounds gorgeous. Now being offered. No, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, so 
and it's a bit of a you know they're they're doing like a bit of a march right now you know you have the th- those three personal planets all moving together and mercury and venus are basically going to be marching hand in hand through the almost the entirety of september they're going to be spending the first half in virgo together and then the second half in libra together is that so, rare that that happens um, I mean, they do travel because they are, you know, on similar sort of timelines. They do travel together, but with retrogrades and such, they don't always line up. Um, You know, that doesn't occur as often. So I think it's really important to pay attention to where you have Virgo, where you have Libra in your chart, because right now you have Mercury, the planet of communication, Venus, the planet that really rules like our, you know, approach to our relationships. And so it's a good time to see like, well, where mentally have I been disorganized in just even how I approach my relationship? You know, what's, what's the disorder in that and how do I heal it? Because the other side of Virgo is the healer. And there's a lot of healing that can be available to us. Now, I do want to get into really quickly just the T-square situation. What's a T-square, in case you don't know? Yeah, honey, what's a (laughs) T-square? A T-square in astrology is basically when it involves three planets. There are two planets opposing each other. And then the third planet is forming a square to both of those. And a way I even like to think of it is I read, was reading somewhere that that you can almost look at that third planet as like a mediator between these two other energies that are opposing each other. Cute. So right now we have one half of that teeth square being Jupiter and Neptune, who've been in a bit of a square for a bit now. And when you have the Jupiter-Neptune square... The way I've been looking at it is it's really a challenge uh, for us around, you know, having faith in our personal growth, hmm. like really seeing the personal growth we're that we're having and similar to what we were talking about in our opening, you know, like celebrating the accomplishments, having faith in where we're moving forward, having trust even because I feel like, you know, Neptune which is that planet that rules the unknown. It's our connection to the mystical, the spiritual. I really think that it has a lot to do with also governing our relationship with trust, because obviously without that piece of it, you don't have a connection to any of those other things. You know, it's it's our relationship with belief. So it does come down to like having, you know, it's a challenge around how much do I believe in my growth? So everything that's coming up for us is going to be on that other side of the T-square, which is Virgo. It's our day-to-day. It's our routine. It's our work that we're trying to accomplish. It's our health. It's our well-being. So the idea right now through all of this is that you know all these planets in Virgo are, are going to come along and they're going to push us toward trying to integrate that faith, that belief into our work, into our routine, like into our day-to-day. You know, like how do we move forward and infuse even some of that faith, that belief in everything that we're tackling on a daily basis? But it's a nice T-square because Jupiter is the mediator, right? Yeah. So Jupiter is there to be like, look, y'all can like not love each other, you know, like Neptune over here with your like mystical sensibility and Virgo over here with your like, I just want to see what I just want to believe in like what's in front of me, what's tangible, what's practical. Because just to be clear, it's not one planet. It's that like all the planets in Virgo are going to go through and trigger this T-square. Exactly. So it's like sun and Mercury and Mars and Venus. Yeah. And right now it's actually just starting to kick off with the moon, but that's a fleeting situation. We're only feeling it today. And I'll say we have been feeling it a little bit. Oh, girl. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to get Venus go through it. We're going to get Mars go through it. Mercury, the sun, they're all going to be involved. So, you know, it's it's going to be, you know, what we're trying to accomplish, who we're trying to accomplish it with, you know, and how we believe in ourselves in all of that. So it's definitely a challenge. You know, it presents some challenges for us over the course of the next couple of weeks. But ultimately, you know, what it's here to do is I'm all about integration. You know, like oppositions are opportunities for integration, to integrate these two polar opposite energies 
into you. The spiritual into your practical day-to-day reality and the practicalities of spiritual practice. Exactly. How do I approach my morning routine with a sense of like spirit? How do I, you know, do all of that? And and ultimately there is a sense of because you know, we are living in the real world. There's going to be some disillusionment in that because that's the other piece of Neptune, you know. We're going to be like, all right, I'm a spiritual being. And then we're going to be like, oh, shit, my boss is really a dick. Or, oh, shit, my boyfriend is cheating on me. Is cheating on me. Yeah, like you're going to have to face these real practical truths. Oh, shit, my bank account is overdrawn. Is it, girl? No. Okay, good. Um, But I think that's ultimately like part of this process. And we have to then, you know, be inspired enough toward our personal growth, have faith in our personal growth, but also then say the things, make the choices, do the things that are going to release the circumstances, the relationships, the experiences that are potentially standing in your way of the major personal growth of of the major personal growth that you're trying to build for yourself right now. So challenges afoot, but it's all for your benefit. If you can look at it that way. Make some finger sandwiches to go while you're sipping on that (laughs) T-square. Oh, that sounds delicious. We should go for a high tea. A high (laughs) T-square. Fabulous. With scones and clotted cream. God, I love a scone. (laughs) Uh, But anyhow, y'all got this. We all here for you. And if you have any more questions on it, you always know where to find us. Just reach out and... uh, we got your astrological tea all up in it for you. Yeah, one of these days we'll do a mailbag segment if we get some questions from y'all. So what do you want to know? What questions do you have about the deep spiritual waters yeah, don't be of afraid. Neptune? We hear and we're friendly. All right, well, that's your cosmic update. And now we are very excited because we are going to continue our series on the Tarot. Uh, Brandon's going to take us into... The suit of swords. So Virgo season of you. <laughs> what can I say? We're going to get very psychological up in here. I'm so excited for it. So without further ado, let's head into this episode's Deep, Deep Dive. Dive. So today we are talking about the suit of swords in the tarot. Oh shit. And the suit of swords is probably the least popular suit, but I'm going to try to redeem it because it is so vital and necessary. It is connected to the element of air, which of course makes it mental. Swords rules our psychological realm. But let's consider that air is also the element which contains our breath. Oh, I like that. And in Hebrew, the word for breath and the word for spirit are the same. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. What's well, the word? Ruach. <laughs> That's how you have to say it if you say it in Hebrew. Ruach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ruach. It's very beautiful. Gorgeous. Thank you. And the other thing that air does is it carries our words to each other. Air is how we communicate. And so the suit of swords is really the suit that speaks to communication, both with ourselves and with others. Well, that makes sense that it's us, you know, it's the suit in the tarot that most people have a complicated relationship with because we probably have the most complicated relationship with our damn minds. Mm, Yeah. And Rachel Pollack actually brought up the fact that the sword was the first implement that was invented to hurt another human being. Oh, shit. Because all the other tools that came before, like knives or spears, like those are for animals, but a sword is literally for combat. Yeah. So communication can be combative or it can be constructive, which is why the suit of swords is sometimes a bit of a challenge. But the suit of swords at its highest octave is trying to get us to live our authenticity through our most realized aligned identity. I really like to look at the suit of swords as the suit that talks to us about our identity. And our identity is literally a collection of the stories we tell ourselves about who we are and where we've been. True that. So a sword is the story you tell yourself about your life. 
And if it's a good story, then that is a sword like a machete that clears your way in the forest moving forwards. If that story is not so good, then that is something you are impaling yourself on, continuing to self-sabotage and self-destruct. So we look at swords like the stories we are telling ourselves. I love that. And above all, I think swords are about truth and learning how to tell the truth on yourself and on others and on your mind, which can be a sneaky fucking weasel. <laughs> so we're going to go through the suit of swords one card at a time, and we're going to kind of take this journey from uh, a brand new story for your life to the need to shed that story to continue to evolve and grow. Yeah, and like I mentioned just briefly, uh, Virgo is ruled by Mercury, so it is such a perfect time to be doing this, given Mer uh, Virgo season. Yes. What's the story you're telling you? Even though Virgo is also ruled by Chiron. Well, yes. Which is the planet of the wounded healer, and let's be real, most of our wounds are mental. Exactly. So either way you slice it. Oh, get it? Either way you slice it. Swords is the perfect suit for Virgo season. She loves a pun. I love a pun. I'm an air sign. What can I say? <laughs> All right. So we start with the ace and the ace is always a birth of some kind. So with the ace of swords, sometimes it's a birth of an idea because again, we're in the mind intellectual. But really when somebody pulls the ace of swords, I want to talk to them about a brand new story for their life moving forwards. It's a brand new identity. And ideally it's not an identity that you're trying on. It's one that's coming from within an identity that's always been there that you haven't acknowledged. So a brand new story for your life is something you can tell yourself very clearly that reminds you in an instant who you are and what you're doing, whether you are checking out at the grocery store or you're getting a manicure or you're giving a Ted talk somewhere in Sweden. <laughs> so the homework that I always say that goes along with the Ace of Swords is just to look back and consider like, what are the old stories that have been running you unconsciously? Stories like, I have to work harder than everybody else to get noticed. Nobody's ever going to love me. I never have enough money. I don't appreciate you sharing all of these personal so things sorry. with everyone. I'm so sorry. About myself, oh, geez. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And then once you've identified and crystallized what these old stories are, you do some sort of ritual to get them out of your house. And then you start to craft for yourself a brand new story for your life that really gets you excited, that makes you want to get out of bed in the morning. And I'll just share a story, the story that I have been using for the past two or so years, is that I am building an empire of earth-based empowerment. That gets me out of bed in the morning, whether I'm going to teach Pilates or I'm doing a healing or I'm recording the podcast. I'm really speaking to people from a place of empowering them to connect with the earth and to connect with their own bodies, which are little earths, and to feel that sense of reciprocity and relationship and empowerment. So it doesn't have to be that dramatic, but what can I say? She's a drama queen. But figure out what the story is for your life moving forward. That's the Ace of Swords. Yes. The two of swords, so, you know, the ace is singularity. It's one energy. The twos now are two energies, and they're coming to a head. I always imagine the two of swords to be like two big ox, and they've got their horns entwined with each other, and neither one of those ox is going to budge, which is why the two of swords often is called the meditation card. It's about bringing two things into balance to find stillness. When there are two decisions to be made and you can't decide is when you get still. It's when you get quiet. And the Two of Swords brings us into that stillness. It is the foundation for how we work with our mind. If we let that story run away unhinged, then we're going to get into trouble. We have to be able to balance that new story with, of our life with the old stories or with what other people in the world have to say. Yeah, in my deck, it's... Uh... Represented by Moon in Libra, which I, you know, would see as loving oneself through having balance of mind, peace of mind. So that yeah. makes a lot of sense. And Libra being the scales of justice. So we're yeah. bringing about balance. The twos mm -hmm. in the tarot are always speaking to finding some sort of balance. And usually with the two of swords moment, it's like n not making a decision in this moment is a decision. Right. When you go like, you know what, I'm not going to decide today if I'm going to go to that party or not. I'll decide tomorrow. That's two of swords. Yeah, you're clearing your conscience of it. So the three of swords is one of those cards that people look at and they always get terrified because it's literally a heart being pierced by three swords. But it's not as bad as it seems. There's a little bit of balance that happens in the suit of swords, which actually brings in the heart, which brings in the emotion, which is talking to the fact that the three of swords is when we betray our heart for our mind. 
Mm-hmm. And so the Three of Swords is an invitation to make sure that it is your mind which serves your heart, not the other way around. The heart is the royalty, and the mind is like a really high-ranking nobleman. And you want to make sure also that you're not denying your own animal instincts. The thing about the threes is, think of a third wheel. There's some sort of imbalance happening. So the imbalance in the Three of Swords is that you've let your head overrun your heart. And sometimes the heart has reasons that reason knows nothing of, meaning that you don't understand why the heart needs that thing intellectually, but you feel it. And if you're always in the mind, you're not going to be able to make those animal instinct decisions, those gut intuitive checks that need to happen that bring about balance. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny you said that. That's what the image I was thinking of, that like being that one friend in the room that like, you know, with two others who are just like going back and forth, having the conversation. You're like, but I, I, uh, 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 uh." (laughs) yeah, but then you get stuck in the story of that, that, well, nobody cares about what I have to say when ultimately like you just got it's timing. And then when they're done, you could probably say the most brilliant thing that they're like, yes, you know, you know, or you could shut down because you're having a three of swords moment. Totally. And that actually brings us to the Four of Swords, which is where we look back at traumatic experiences to mine the gifts from them. Wow. So the Four of Swords is a new mental foundation because fours are foundational. And I love the Four of Swords because it's very, very specific. It communicates that you are no longer in a trauma or a crisis. You are literally out of the woods. Perhaps it was a bad relationship, a bad workplace. Perhaps it was just like a bad night out. But you are no longer in that situation. You have found some sort of sanctuary, a safe place, where you can now reflect back and mine the gifts of your experience. You can't move forwards until you've looked back and really seen where you've been and what's been running you. So the Four of Swords is a soft, gentle moment in the journey of swords where you go, okay, I'm safe now. I survived that. What was the point? What was the teaching? (laughs) Right. Because what you resist persists. So if you don't get the teaching from that trauma, you're going to face some more of the same nature until you learn the lesson. Speaking of trauma. Yeah, I was about to say, and then along comes the five, right? (laughs) So let's talk about fives. Fives are inevitably about change because they are the halfway point on the journey. From ace to ten, fives are the middle of the road. And we all know what you think you need at the beginning of the journey is not what you need halfway through. The school supplies you buy at the beginning of the semester are not what you need once you're halfway through the class. You're like, oh, I really didn't need this protractor. So fives... (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I ever used one. Exactly, but you bought it at the beginning of every school year. So fives are where we have to change. And they are contractions. They are sacred contractions. They are necessary contractions. But I ain't going to lie, they are a contraction all the same. And so the Five of Swords is a mental contraction. This sometimes presents as anxiety, depression. These are things that leak our mental energy. So at its essence, the Five of Swords is a moment. Remember, all of these cards, the Ace through the Ten, they're moments. They have a beginning. They have a middle. And God is blessed for some of them. They have an end. They're not forever. The moment of the Five of Swords is where you start to see where you're leaking mental energy all the time, how you're chasing your own tail, how you're making things more difficult for yourself. Like what I was talking about with the stress I put on myself, that's very Five of Swords. And so this contraction, this realization then leads to the Six of Swords, which is an expansion of the mind. Remember, swords are combative. And so in the Five of Swords, you're combating yourself. Yeah, in my deck, it's known as the self-defeat card. Exactly. It's definitely self-sabotage. But I like to think about how am I leaking energy mm-hmm. as opposed to how am I sabotaging myself? Just because that feels a little bit more encouraging. <laughs> sure. So the Six of Swords mental expansion is about travel. And an old school tarot reader would be like, you're going to go on a trip now to far off lands. And hell, maybe that's true. But I think what we're really talking about is traveling away from one old way of thinking about things to a new way of thinking about things. You're traveling psychologically. You're walking a bridge between one high plateau of your old mental process of self-sabotage, leaking energy, self-defeat, to a new way of thinking about things, a more expansive, more self-serving way. And most Six of uh, Swords cards are a boat on a river, which means finding a new flow of the mind. Yeah, I think you'll appreciate this in my deck. It's actually called the Science Card. 
and it represents it's represented by mercury and aquarius so it is like being inspired by like new ideas. Love that. Know? Exactly. And you can't have space for a new idea until you've had the contraction. You need the contraction to prepare the way for the expansion. Mm-hmm. So the next card, the Seven of Swords, is a personal favorite of mine because it's the card connected with my birthday, with February 15th for late degree Aquarians. And sevens, remember, in the tarot are spiritual, and they ask us to look at the realm of the suit through a spiritual lens. So seven of swords is going to be spiritual mind. And the reason we get that is because seven is this kind of sacred spiritual number, you know, the seven colors in the light spectrum, the seven notes in the musical scale, the seven chakras, the seven continents. And so the seven of swords, spiritual mind, is really about telling the truth on yourself. And it's about making sure that you're not getting too impressed with your own cleverness when what's really required is honesty, brutal honesty. And so usually the Seven of Swords is somebody kind of sneaking away with something. And there is an impulse in the Seven of Swords to make sure you're not hiding something. Sometimes you're hiding something that you're embarrassed about or you're ashamed of. There can certainly be shame involved with the Seven of Swords. What are you hiding and why are you hiding it? But sometimes you're just being sneaky and crafty and you're being too clever for your own damn good. And so the Seven of Swords is really our opportunity to make sure that we are being as authentic as possible with ourselves. Because all we really have in this life are the agreements we make with ourselves. And so if you're being a liar to yourself, if you're letting yourself get away with something, if you are blindly turning away from a part of yourself, from the truth, and how many times have we done that, then the Seven of Swords is going to show up to smack you across the face and go, get right with yourself, girl. (laughs) Spiritual, mental integrity. Mm -hmm. The Sevens want us to align whatever the realm of the suit is with spiritual integrity. So this is making sure your mind is as full of integrity as your spirit. The Eight of Swords speaks to our own self-imposed limitations. Once we've been able to tell the truth on ourselves fully, or able to see where we have built ourselves into a prison that is untrue, that is not real. And so it's about expanding into a realm that heretofore was unknown to us. I always imagine like expanding from two dimensions to three dimensions, or three dimensions to four dimensions, or four dimensions to five dimensions. Like we don't even know what that would look like because we're in four dimensions. So when the Eight of Swords comes around, any eight in the tarot, you're expanding into something that you can't perceive until you're there. And so here we have this woman, and she's bound up, and she's imprisoned behind these swords, and yet there's a huge gap in the swords. Like, she could get out of there if she wanted to. And yet there's like this unwillingness to look at how she could escape. In this deck that I'm looking at, actually, her head has been chopped off, and it's on the floor, and she's looking up at herself imprisoned instead of looking forwards at how she could escape. Hmm. So expansion beyond what you think is possible. Mm -hmm. Nines in the tarot are the graduations. They're the leveling up. And the nine of swords is the drama queen card. It's the nightmare card. The thing you're most afraid of is usually what the nine of swords is speaking to so that you can understand that there's really no reason to fear it. What we understand in this graduation of the mind is that the mind sometimes, when left unchecked, is just going to go to the worst case scenario. It's going to take you all the way to the end of the world, to the apocalypse, where you're fighting some sort of like mutant squirrel army for the last bit of food available, just because your ego wants to take you down that dark rabbit hole so you feel like you have some sort of control over what's uncontrollable. The worst case scenario rarely comes to fruition. And I know that sounds crazy as hell. You're like a squirrel army apocalypse. But how many times have you stayed up three, four, five hours before going to sleep in your bed, just letting your mind ruminate over the worst case scenarios? What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen in a week? What's going to, you know? Yeah, it was like me in the woods, the story I told on the last episode, just lying there like, who's coming? Is there? But now I'm going to be thinking about a mutant squirrel army. Jesus. So that's the Nine of Swords. And I guess we know what I'm most afraid of. Apparently so. I had no idea. No wonder when that squirrel was outside the window the other day, you were a little nervous. They're vicious and they're so fast. (laughs) But they're so cute. No, they're adorable, which makes them even more dangerous. That's fair. So the thing about the Drama Queen card, the medicine that it brings to us, is that that shit never really comes true. And there's trust that's required. And if we can find a way to stop that story before we get to the worst case scenario, we're going to save ourselves a lot of time and we're going to learn how to work with our mind as opposed to letting our mind work us over. Truth. So here's the deal with the Ten of Swords. It has a sense of humor, okay? 
There are 10 swords stabbing this person on the ground. Hysterical. Well, it only takes one sword. <laughs> it only takes one sword to kill a person, okay? True. So the fact that there are 10 swords killing this person, there's some irony. There's a wink wink. There's I think a intention to speak to how dramatic we can be when it comes to releasing old identities. Mm -hmm. Because really what this card is saying is like, honey, that old you is so dead. Like that bullshit is done. It's like Taylor Swift. And we think about the 10 of swords is when we're ready. I'm not taking that bait. (laughs) Is when we're ready to step out of an old wheel of suffering. The 10 of swords is the wheel of suffering that we go through time and time again until we wise up and we say, you know what? Not today, Satan. I'm done. And I love seeing the 10 of swords because it means I'm about ready for a brand new identity coming through. That's the journey from the ace to the 10. Try out this sword, see how it goes. And then the 10 of swords is like releasing that sword or releasing everything that got in the way of that story really coming forwards. Amazing. I was just looking at this card. It's the one in my desk is so intense, but all the swords are ultimately like not stabbing this heart. They're like in front of it. It's like almost like all the mental thoughts are just like so overpowering the heart, you know? Mm. And I think it's interesting to pay attention to which direction the swords are facing. Mm -hmm. If the swords are facing down with the tip pointing down, usually it means more like earthly practical mental application. Whereas if the swords are pointing upwards, it's more about a spiritual esoteric mental application. Okay. Which is interesting. If the card comes in reversed, then it's the same meaning of the card, but perhaps it's pointing your attention. Like the 10 of swords reversed would be like, okay, it's the death of a spiritual identity. Interesting. Because now the swords are pointing upwards as opposed to down. Just a thought. All right, so let's talk about the court cards. I love the court cards in the suit of swords. In the Wild Unknown tarot deck, they're all owls, which I think makes so much sense because A, that's an animal that is air-based, right? They're, it's a bird, it flies. Um, but it's also a bird of prey. So there is something kind of ferocious about it, an owl. you know, It sees in the dark, which is what swords is all about, truth and authenticity and clarity. And it's also associated a lot of the times with wisdom. The owl. Yeah. The wise owl. Exactly. And I think that's what we can meditate on when we work with the elements of the tarot. If we bring the water of cups to the air of swords, we get wisdom because it's the heart and the head. Right. Or if we bring the magic of fire from the wands to the air of swords, we get spiritual truth. And if we get the pentacles and their glimmering magic to the swords, we learn how to ground the mind in the body and the wisdom of the body. So each of these suits work together. And then of course, they're their own little landscape in and of themselves. So the page of swords is grounding identity, earth and air. Cause I connect all of the pages to earth and swords of course is air. And so I call the page of swords, the give no fucks card. In regards to who you are and how you present in the world. The Page of Swords is now holding, wielding that sword that was revealed in the Ace. That story that you're going to tell yourself about your life. And it's either like, hey, you're like either on board and you're going to help me with this story or you're not. But like, I ain't changing who I am just so you're more comfortable, Grandma. Oh, sorry. I don't know where that's left out. Jesus. So we love the Page of Swords because it's where you really start to own yourself and you set foot out into the world owning yourself completely, not apologizing, releasing any shame, and really having that sword of your personal unique truth. The Knight of Swords is what I call the Air Shrine card because it's double air. Because to me, the knights are air because they're movers. And then swords, again, is air. So the Knight of Swords is the only card that's double air. And I think of it as like a great tornado. What the Knight of Swords comes in and does is sweep out your mind of any last cobwebs, any old thoughts. It's a single focused energy that says, this is where we're going. This is the new direction. And if this isn't part of it, we're releasing it. And often it's internal. It's moving that mental energy. And remember that the court cards are you. When you pull a court card, it is a mirror reflecting your identity back to yourself. 
When we pull a court card, it's spirit saying, hey, this is part of you and you've forgotten that. You need to remember you're the Knight of Swords. The Queen of Swords, I always say, is the Ruth Bader Ginsburg of the deck. <laughs> She's wise, fair, impartial, resilient, tenacious, ferocious, and she tells the truth, but with love. But she tells the fucking truth. And I also think that the Queen of Swords is completely illuminated from within. She knows herself so well. We also might think of her as like a Pema Chodron or some sort of Buddhist scholar who is so enlightened in the nature of self, can see the ego when the ego is trying to get involved. Mm, like Madonna in her Ray of Light era. Like Madonna presented in the Ray of Light era. <laughs> Shade. Love you forever, Madge. And then the King of Swords is the great speaker, teacher, and writer of the deck. The Queen of Swords, of course, is just as powerful as the King of Swords, but she, remember, the queens hold court and the kings pour forth. That's my pithy little saying to talk about the difference between the queens and kings. They sit on the same level. Not one is better or higher, more important than the other. It's just one is going in and one is going out. And so the King of Swords is moving out with this truth. So when you pull the King of Swords, it's like, it's time to respect your own authority on this subject. It's time to teach. It's time to write that book. It's time to make sure that you are not harboring all your brilliance to yourself or else you're just being greedy. There's no point in that. Yeah, my deck, he's just like literally charging forth, like flying through the air. And we connect King of Swords to Aquarius, mm. giving that knowledge, baptizing humanity with wisdom. And I think it's important for everyone to realize that on the journey of swords, when you discover what helps you claim your authenticity, it's almost your responsibility to share it with others so that they can follow and see if it works for them. We're all doing this together. The human experience is the human experience. And it's common to a lot of us to suffer anxiety and depression and to stay up all night obsessing over worst case scenarios. And we keep that to ourselves. So when you find a way to vanquish that, to slice that demon open and no longer face that battle, I almost feel like you have a responsibility to share it and to speak up and to speak out. And for those of you that are still suffering from these sorts, I mean, who are still suffering, we all still suffer from them, from stress, from anxiety. But the more we can talk about it, the more we can bring it out into the light, the less of a toll these mental slings and arrows will take on us. And at their essence, swords speak to the things in our life that slice, that pierce, our thoughts, our words, and our ideas. And so it's important to remember that your words are a weapon. Your thoughts are a weapon. Your ideas are a weapon. So make sure that what you are fighting is something that needs to be vanquished and not something that needs to be preserved. Word. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the goddess. Pose. Tarot church is over. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, babe. That was an amazing distillation of the swords. I love the swords because I'm an air sign and I think they're a beautiful suit that can really teach us a lot and there's no need to be afraid of them. No, you're a mistress of cutting and slicing. Thank you. You've <laughs> seen me in the kitchen. I have. And in the shade room. So I'm shuffling the cards. Oh, it's time for our tarot card of the episode. How exciting. So just take a moment. Listen to the sound of the cards being shuffled, tuning into them. And just trusting that you are going to receive the message you need right now in this moment. Oh, what's it going to be? The Six of Wands. Oh. So remember that sixes are expansions. And the Six of Wands is an expansion of your vital energy. So if the Six of Swords, as we talked about, is a brand new way of thinking about things... The Six of Wands is a brand new way of feeling about things. Mm. And it's finding that new flow of energy that will take you forwards. It's finding, like I was talking about, instead of stressing out and working so hard and trying to do things on an arbitrary timeline, surrendering to the flow of divine timing. 
And it came in upside down, which doesn't surprise me because it's the midst of Virgo season and we're trying to get things done. But remember sometimes that you can get things done more quickly if you relax a little bit, if you surrender to how the things want to be accomplished, as opposed to you putting your ideas of how they're supposed to be accomplished on top of them. Yeah, in a way, like what we were talking about, even just cosmically, yeah, like focusing and finding order in a certain area, you know, as opposed to like, and there's this and there's this and there's that and there's that. Exactly, because the Six of Wands is the energy of rising above, Mm -hmm. rising above the fray, not getting bogged down in the negativity in the old way of, you know, feeling energy. It is your opportunity to fly above. How does that Candy Burr song go? <laughs> I fly above all the haters. Yeah. Fly above all the haters <laughs> this week, y'all. I like that. And as always, thank you for tuning in. We freaking love you, gazers. You're the reason we do this show. So thank you for your beautiful reviews. I think we just got a new one, actually, didn't we? We did. Oh, let's read it on the air. Why not? Yes, I am living for all of these reviews that you write us. So thank you so much. Yeah, we just had one come in from Linner54321, who just gave us a big old yes and said uh, that they love this podcast. And and as a person who comes from an almost opposite upbringing, that we bring an amazing space for all people to feel welcome to play with the healing ideas of vulnerability and honesty through the lens of spirituality and goes on and on. But thank you very much for your five-star review It makes us feel all warm and giddy inside. We appreciate it. And please continue to take the time to write them, to rate us. And uh, yeah, we'll continue to share. And as Linner says here, keep it up, gems. We will. As always, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. A big thank you to Juan Diego, who makes sure we always sound so gorgeous. A big thank you to Justin Simeon for the interstitial music that never loses its verve. No, not at all. Yes, thanks to both of them. Yes, we really do appreciate you all listening and being a part of this community. You can find us on Instagram at The Spiritual Gaze, on Twitter at Spiritual Gaze, or you can email us at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com. Until next time, gazers, this has been your transit through The Spiritual Gaze.